Chapter Six of A Summer in a Canyon, A California Story by Kate Douglas Wiggin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Six: Queen Elsie visits the court. An hour and friend with friend will meet, lip cling to lip and hand clasp hand. Now, Laura asked bell when quiet was restored advise us about elsie's tent we want it to be perfectly lovely and you have such good taste let me think said laura oh if she were only a brunette instead of a blonde we could festoon the tent with that yellow tarlatan i brought for the play what difference does it make whether she is dark or light asked bell obtusely why a room ought to be as becoming as a dress so mrs pinkerton says you know i saw a great deal of her at the hotel and oh girls her bedroom was the most exquisite thing you ever saw she had a french toilet table covered with pale blue silk and white marquee lace perfectly lovely with yards and yards of robin's egg blue watered ribbon and bows and on it she kept all her toilet articles everything in hammered silver from tiffany's with monograms on the back three or four sizes of brushes and combs and mirrors and a full manicure set it used to take her two hours to dress but it was worth it oh such gorgeous tea gowns as she had one of old rose and lettuce was a perfect dream she always had her breakfast in bed you know i think it's delightful for you to have your breakfast before you get up and dress as slowly as you like i wish mamma would let me do it what does she do after she gets dressed in her rose of old lettuce i mean her old rose of lettuce asked polly do why really polly you are too stupid what do you suppose she did what everybody else does of course oh said polly apologetically how old is mrs pinkerton asked marjorie between nineteen and twenty there is not three years difference in our ages though she has been married nearly two years it seems so funny only nineteen cried bell why i always thought that she was old as the hills twenty-five or thirty at the very least she always seemed tired of things well said laura in a whisper intended to be too low to reach mrs winship's tent i don't know whether i ought to repeat what was told me in confidence but the fact is well she doesn't like mr pinkerton very well the other girls who had not enjoyed the advantages of city life and travel looked as dazed as any scandal-monger could have desired don't like him gasped polly nearly falling off the stump why she's married to him where on earth were you brought up snapped laura what difference does that make she can't help it if she doesn't happen to like her husband can she you can't make yourself like anybody can you well did she ever like him asked marjorie for she's only been married a year or two and it seems to me it might have lasted that long if there was anything to begin on but whispered laura mysteriously you see mr pinkerton was very rich and the dentons 
very poor. Mr. Denton had just died, leaving them nothing at all to live on, and poor Jessie would have had to teach school or some dreadful thing like that. The thought of it almost killed her. She's so sensitive and so refined. She never told me in so many words, but I am sure she married Mr. Pinkerton to save her mother from poverty, and I pity her from the bottom of my heart. I suppose it was noble, said Belle in a puzzled tone. If she couldn't think of any other way, but... Well, did she try very hard to think of other ways? asked Polly. She never looked especially noble to me. I thought she seemed like a die-away, frizzly-gig kind of girl. I wish, Miss Oliver, that you would be kind enough to remember that Mrs. Pinkerton is one of my most intimate friends, said Laura sharply. And I do wish, also, that you wouldn't talk loud enough to be heard all through the canyon. The color came into Polly's cheeks, but before she could answer, Mrs. Winship walked in, stocking basket in hand, and seated herself in the little wicker rocking chair. Polly's clarion tones had given her a clue to the subject, and she thought the discussion needed guidance. You were talking about Mrs. Pinkerton, girls? She said serenely. You say you are fond of her, Laura, dear, and it seems very ungracious for me to criticize your friend. That is a thing which most of us fail to bear patiently. But I cannot let you hold her up as an ideal to be worshipped, or ask the girls to admire as a piece of self-denial what I fear was nothing but indolence and self-gratification. You are too young to talk of these things very much, but you are not too young to make up your mind that when you agree to live all your life long with a person, you must have some other feeling than a determination not to teach school. Jessie Denton's mother, my dear Laura, would never have asked the sacrifice of her daughter's whole life and Jessie herself would never have made it had she been less vain, proud, and luxurious in her tastes, and a little braver and more self-forgetting and industrious. These are hard words, dear, and I am sorry to use them. She has gained the riches she wanted, the carriages and servants, and tea-gowns and hammered silvers from Tiffany's, but she looks tired and disappointed, as Belle says and i've no doubt she is poor girl i don't think you do her justice mrs winship i don't indeed said laura if you are really attached to her laura don't make the mistake of admiring her faults of character but try to find her better qualities and help her to develop them it is a fatal thing when girls of your age set up these false standards and order their lives by them there are worse things in school teaching yes or even floor scrubbing or window washing lovely tea gowns and silver-backed brushes are all very pretty and nice to have if they are not gained at the sacrifice of something better i should have said to my daughter had i been mrs denton we will work for each other my darling and try to do whatever god gives us to do but no matter how hard life is your heart is the most precious thing in the world and you must never sell that if we part with everything else oh my girls my girls if only i could make you believe that poor and content is rich and rich enough 
i cannot bear to think of your growing year by year into the conviction that these pretty glittering things of wealth are are the true gold of life which everybody seeks forgive me laura if i have hurt your feelings i know you would never hurt anybody's feelings if you could help it mrs winship laura answered with a hint of coldness in her voice though i can't help thinking that you are a little hard on poor jessie but even then one can surely like a person without wishing to do the very same things she does yes that is true said mrs winship gravely but one cannot constantly justify wrong action in another without having one's own standard unconsciously lowered what we continually excuse in other people we should be inclined by and by to excuse in ourselves let us choose our friends as wisely as possible and love them dearly helping them to grow worthy of our love at the same time we are trying to grow worthier of theirs because we live by admiration hope and love you know but not by admiring and loving the wrong things but there's the horn and i hear the boys let us come to luncheon and tell our good news of elsie long before the boys appeared in sight their voices rang through the canyon in a chorus that woke the echoes and presently they came into view bearing two quarters and a saddle of freshly killed mutton hanging from a leafy branch swung between jack's sturdy shoulders and jeff's a splendid still hunt this morning on truth exclaimed jack game plenty and not too shy dogs in prime condition hunters ditto behold the result the girls could scarcely tell whether or no laura was offended at aunt truth's unexpected little lecture she did not appear quite as unrestrained as usual but as everybody was engaged in the preparations for elsie's welcome there was a general atmosphere of hilarity and confusion so that no awkwardness was possible the tool shop resounded with blows of hammer and steel dicky was under everybody's feet and his seven or ten frogs together with his unrivalled collection of horned toads were continually escaping from their tin pails and boxes in the various tents and everybody was obliged to join in the search to recover and incarcerate them in order to keep the peace hopyet was making a gold and silver cake with elsie in pink letters on chocolate frosting philip had pitched the new tent so that in one corner there was a slender manzanita tree which had been cropped for some purpose or other he had nailed a cross piece on this so that it resembled the letter t and was now laboriously boring holes and fitting in pegs that elsie might have a sort of closet behind her bed as for the rustic furniture the girls and boys declared it to be too beautiful for words they stood in circles about it and admired it without reserve each claiming that his own special piece of work was the gem of the collection the sunlight shining through the gray and green tints of the tent was voted perfection philip's closet a miracle of ingenuity the green and white straw matting an inspiration the looking-glass had been mounted on a packing-box and converted by laura into a dressing-table that rivalled mrs pinkerton's for green tarlatan and white mosquito-netting had been so skilfully combined that the traditional mermaid might have been glad to make her toilet there with a comb and a glass in her hand the rest of the green and white gauzy stuff had been looped from the corners of the tent to the centre of the roof-piece and delicate tendrils of wild clematis climbed here and there as if it were growing 
its roots plunged in cunningly hidden bottles of water bell had gone about with pieces of awning cloth and green braid and stitched an elaborate system of pockets on the inside of the tent wherever they would not be too prominent there were tiny pockets for needlework thimbles and scissors medium-sized pockets for soap and combs and brushes bigger pockets for shoes and slippers and stockings and mammoth pockets for anything else that elsie might ordain to put in a pocket by four o'clock in the afternoon marjorie had used her clever fingers to such purpose that a white silesia flag worked with the camp name floated from the tip-top of the front entrance to the tent the ceremony of raising the flag was attended with much enthusiasm and its accomplishment greeted by a deafening cheer from the entire party unless one wants paradise sighed marjorie who wouldn't be contented with dear old camp chaparral who would live in a house anyway exclaimed philip sniff this air and look up at that sky and this is what they call roughing it in santa barbara <laughs> quoth dr winship why you youngsters have made that tent fit for the occupancy of a society bell now let's organize for a reception cried geoffrey assemble good people come over here aunt truth i will take the chair myself since i don't happen to see anybody who would fill it with more dignity i am going to mount my bronco and go out on the road to meet my beloved family said jack sauntering up to the impromptu council chamber how can you tell when they will arrive asked mrs winship i can make a pretty good guess they'll probably start from tacitus as early as eight or nine o'clock if elsie is well let's see it's about twenty-five miles isn't it uncle doc say twenty-three to the place where they turn off the main road well i'll take a bit of lunch ride out ten or twelve miles hitch my horse in the shade and wait very well said geoffrey it is not usual for committees to appoint themselves but as you are a near relative of our distinguished guests we will grant you special consideration and order you to the front ladies and gentlemen passing over the slight informality of the nomination all in favor of appointing mr john howard envoy extraordinary please manifest it by the usual sign six persons yelled i four raised the right hand and one stood up hmm there seems to be a slight difference of opinion as to the usual sign all right contrary-minded no shouted polly at the top of her lungs it is a unanimous vote said geoffrey crushingly bringing down his fist as an imaginary gavel with incredible force and dignity dr and mrs winship will you oblige the chair by acting as a special reception committee certainly responded the doctor smilingly will the chair kindly outline the general policy of the committee mm-hmm yes certainly of course the chair suggests that the reception committee well that they stay at home and receive the guests yes that will do very nicely all in favor and so forth it is a vote and so ordered secretary will please print a copy on the minutes gavel i rise to a point of order said jack sagely there is no secretary and there are no minutes a uh, mere form said the chair sit down there will be minutes in a minute got to do some more things first 
that will do sit down will the mrs burton and messengers burton and noble kindly act as committee on decoration where's the committee on music and refreshments and olympian games and all that sort of thing interrupted polly who had not the slightest conception of parliamentary etiquette and why don't you hurry up and put me on something if miss oliver refuses to bridle her tongue and persists in interrupting the business of the meeting the chair will be obliged to remove her said geoffrey with chilling emphasis polly rose again undaunted i would respectfully ask the chair who put him in the chair anyway question roared philip second emotion shrieked bell that being the only parliamentary expression she knew order cried geoffrey in stenorian accents i will adjourn the meeting and clear the courtroom unless there is order do remarked polly encouragingly i will rise again like phoebus from my ashes to say that here jack sprang to his feet i would suggest to the chair that the last speaker amend her motion by substituting the word phoenix for phoebus accept the amendment said polly serenely amidst the general hilarity question called bell with another mighty projection of memory into a missionary meeting that she had once attended i am not aware that there is any motion before the house said geoffrey cuttingly second the motion second the amendment shouted the girls ladies there is no motion will you oblige the chair by remaining quiet until speech is requested move that the meeting be adjourned in another one called with a new chair remarked marjorie who felt that the honour of her sex was at stake move that this motion be so ordered and spread upon the minutes and a copy of it be presented to the chairman suggested philip move that the copy be appropriately bound in calf said jack dodging an imaginary blow move that the other committees be elected by ballot concluded scott burton this is simply disgraceful exclaimed the chair order order i appoint miss oliver committee on entertainment with a view of keeping her still this was received with particular as well as general satisfaction miss winship we appoint you committee on music all right do you wish it to be original certainly not we wish it to be good but we only know one chorus and that's my witching dinah snow never mind either write new words to that tune or sing tralala to it mr richard winship the chair appoints you committee on menagerie and suggests that as we have proclaimed a legal holiday you give your animals the freedom of the city don't know what freedom of our city means said dicky who feared that he was being made the butt of ridicule why we want you to allow the captives to parade in the evening with torchlights and mottoes right cried dicky kindling in an instant luby the dote my horned toads i'll accept the one that just got it away in laura's bed but maybe she'll find him tonight so they'll be all there 
this was too much for the various committees and laura's wild shriek was the signal for a hasty adjournment a common danger restored peace to the assembly and they sought the runaway in perfect harmony well said jack when quiet was restored i am going a little distance up the pico negro trail there are some magnificent spanish bandits growing there and if you'll let me have poncho uncle doc we can bring down four of them and lash them to each of the corners of elsie's tent they'll keep fresh several days in water you know take him certainly said dr winship do let me go with you pleaded laura with enthusiasm i should like the walk so much it's pretty rough laura objected marjorie if you couldn't endure a walk this morning you would never get home alive from pico negro oh that was in the heat of the day she answered i feel equal to any amount of walking now if jack doesn't mind taking me delighted of course miss laura you'll be willing to carry home one of the trees i suppose in return for the pleasure of my society snub him severely laura cried bell we never allow him to say such things unreproved i think he is snubbed too much already replied laura with a charming smile and i shall see how a course of encouragement will affect his behaviour that will be what i long have sought and mourned because i found it not sang jack nonchalantly oh laura remonstrated bell think twice before you encourage him in his dreadful ways we have studied him very carefully and we know that the only way to live with him is to keep him in a sort of pint pot where we can hold the lid open just a little and clap it down suddenly whenever he tries to spring out do not mind that young person miss laura but form your own impressions of my charming character excuse me please while i put on a celluloid collar and make some few changes in my toilet necessary to a proper appearance in your distinguished company i prefer you as you are answered laura laughingly let us start at once do you hear that young person she prefers me as i are now see what magic power her generosity has upon me and he darted into the tent from which he issued in a moment with his derby hat a manzanita cane a pocket handkerchief tied about his throat and a flower pinned on his flannel camping shirt a most ridiculous figure since nothing seems so out of place in the woods as any suggestion of city costumes or customs laura was in high good humor and looked exceedingly brilliant and pretty as she always did when she was the central figure of any group or the bright particular star of any occasion be home before dark said dr winship poncho keep a lookout for the pack mule truth one of the pack mules has disappeared so dumbling or ditto ditto curiously enough his name should have led him not to set an example but to follow one elsie came perhaps you thought that this was going to be an exciting story and that something would happen to keep her at the tacitas ranch but nothing did everything came to pass exactly as it was arranged and jack met his mother and sister at twelve o'clock some four miles from the camp and escorted them to the gates 
welcome had been painted on twenty different boards or bits of white cloth and paper and nailed here and there on the trees that lined the rough wood road the strains of an orchestra formed of a guitar banjo cassonettes chinese fiddle and tin cans greeted them from a distance but were properly allowed to die away in silence when the guest neared the tents everything wore a new and smiling face and elsie never came more dangerously near being squeezed to death elsie in the prettiest of gingham dresses and her cloud of golden hair braided in two funny little pugs to keep it out of the dust elsie with a wide hat that shaded her face already a little tanned and burned no longer colorless elsie with no lines of pain in her pretty forehead and the hollow ring gone from her voice elsie who jumped over the wheel of the wagon and hugged her huggers with the strength of a young bear it was too good to believe and nobody did quite believe it for days at three o'clock the happiest party in the world assembled at the rough dining-table under the sycamore trees elsie beamed upon the feast from the high-backed manzanita chair a faint color in her cheeks and starry prisms of light in a pair of eyes that had not sparkled for many a weary month Hopyet smiled a trifle himself, wore his cap with a red button on the top to wait upon the table, and ministered to the hungry people with more interest and alacrity than he had shown since he had been dragged from Santa Barbara, his joss, and his nightly game of fantan. And such a dinner as he had prepared in honor of the occasion, longer by four courses than usual, and each person was allowed two plates in the course of the meal bill of fare for her majesty's dinner quail soup crackers chili colorado mutton stew in spanish style with chili peppers tomatoes and onions cold boiled ham fried potatoes apples and onions stewed together ginger snaps pickles peaches apricots and nectarines california nuts and raisins coffee and last of all a surprise of bell's flapjacks long teased for by the boys and prepared and fried by her own hands while the merry party waited at table to get them smoking hot she came in flushed with heat and pride the prettiest cook anybody ever saw with her hair bobbed up out of the way and doing its best to escape a high-necked white apron sleeves rolled up to the elbow and an insinuating spot of batter in the dimple of her left cheek there she cried joyfully as she deposited a heaping plate in front of her mother and set the tin can of maple syrup by its side begin on those and i'll fry like lightning on two griddles to keep up with you and she rushed to the brush kitchen to turn her next installments that had been left to brown hopyet had retired to a distant spot by the brook and was washing dish towels all chinese cooks are alike in their horror of a woman in the kitchen but some of them will unbend so far as to allow her to amuse herself so long as they are not required to witness the disagreeable spectacle bell delicately inserted the cake turner under the curled edges of the flapjack and turned them over deftly using a little too much force perhaps in the downward stroke when she flung them back on the griddle seems to me they come down with considerable of a thud she said reflectively i hope they're not tough for i should never hear the last of it guess i'll punch one with the handle of this tin shovel 
and see how it acts goodness it's sort of elastic that's funny well perhaps it's the way they ought to look here she transferred the smoking mysteries to her plate passed a bit of pork over the griddles and after ladling out eight more flew off to the group at the table are they good she was beginning to ask when the words were frozen on her lips by the sight of a significant tableau the four boys were standing on the bench that served instead of dining chairs each with a plate and a pancake on the table in front of them jack held a hammer and spike scott burton a hatchet geoffrey a saw and philip a rifle bell was nothing if not intuitive no elaborate explanations ever were needed to show her a fact without a word she flung the plate of blackjack she held as far into a thicket as she had forced to fling it and then dropped on her knees shoot if you must this old grey head but spare my flapjacks sirs she said what's the matter with them tough i refuse to believe it your tools are too dull that's all use more energy nothing in this world can be accomplished without effort they're a lovely brown began mrs winship sympathetically and they have a very good flavour added elsie don't touch them dearest cried bell snatching the plate from under elsie's very nose i won't have you made ill by my failures but as for the boys i don't care a fig for them let them make flapjacks more to their taste the odious things polly oliver did you put in that baking powder as i told you while i went for the pork polly blanched baking powder she faltered yes baking powder b a k i n g p o w d e r do i make myself plain oh baking powder to be sure well now that you mention the matter i do remember that dicky called me away just as i was getting it and now that i think of it elsie came just afterwards and 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 that's the whole of my story yo sang jack i recommend the criminal to the mercy of the court <laughs> a case of too many cooks laughed dr winship cheer up girls better fortune next time there are eight more of them burning on the griddles this moment polly said bell scathingly and as they are yours not mine i advise you to throw them in the brook with the rest of the batter so that hopiet won't know that there has been a failure some people blight everything they touch sighed polly gloomily as she departed for the kitchen but when i lie in the green kirk yard oh polly dear interrupted marjorie that apology will not serve any longer you've used it too often this is going to be entirely different continued polly tragically but when i lie in the green kirk yard with the mould upon my breast say not that she made flapjacks well only she did her best we promise cried bell chapter six